This is EdTech Weekly, and this is episode 78, quickly approaching that 100 episode mark, which is kind of incredible. I am your host, Ricky Zager, and in tonight's show, the top 10 technologies changing education, free Apple developer subscription for education, mobile security for higher ed, and meet Maybot, a robot building kit for kids to learn programming. Christy is with me. Happy New Year, Christy. We're back. Hey, happy new year, Ricky. The first show of the new year. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's exciting. I got to tell you, though, a couple things. Here in Florida, we it is the literally the end of days. We're waiting for the world to end. It has been so cold here, and I know people from anywhere but Florida will mock me, but it has been even in the high 30s when I wake up in the morning, there was frost on my window of the car one day. In Florida, frost? Wow, that is really cold for Florida. Yeah, I and mean, there's snow in northern Florida. That's not where I am. But I I mean, I actually almost wanted to call my boss and say, clearly work is canceled today, right? It is that cold. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Frost warning in Florida. I mean, honestly, it's almost as if people are running around in the streets expecting the world to end. It's that cold here for us. And it's funny. But we don't usually get three straight days of super cold weather, but... Yet here we are. Well, you have our cold and we have your warm. Yeah, we're here. In, I'm here in California and we are going through a warm spell. I do live in the mountains. So normally it is cold and snowy this time of year, but not now. It feels like spring. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I want to switch back, please. That's all I'm going to say. And I, w- <laughs> I do, I do want to, because it's the new year, I did want to mention for a minute that you know, my wife got me onto these, this thing called a passion planner. Have you heard of this thing? Passion planner? What's that? So it's like a yearly planner, but it's got a lot of little ways in there to sort of make sure you're focusing on things that you really want to do um, and not just like the day-to-day tasks. So it's pretty interesting and we'll see. You'll know for sure if it's being successful because there's a lot of things I want to do for the show coming up here and, and we'll see if it works. I mean, it could be the normal for me where I have these plans and it just doesn't pan out, but maybe it'll work. We'll see. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's do this thing and we begin as we always do with the EdTech News Rundown. Frost and Sullivan, a consulting firm, has revealed its top 10 technologies shaping the classroom of the future. You know how I love a good top 10 list, and it just feels right for the first show of this new year. It makes me feel a little nostalgic, wishing Matt was back on the podcast to go through it with me. But the highlights include some of the usual suspects that we talk about a lot on the show, artificial intelligence, mixed reality, and of course, robotics. One of the standout numbers that they gave is the expectation that mixed reality market will cross over six billion with a B by 2022. That's only a few years away. Mixed reality, which is basically some combination of virtual reality, augmented reality, or just plain old reality, I guess, uh, definitely can become a major factor in education as the possibilities really do become limitless. Uh, Christy, is it time for us to jump into the mixed reality market? I feel like we need to grab a part of that billion, that six billion. Six billion, that's a lot. Uh, my first thought when I read this article is, what is mixed reality? And really, you stumped me here, Ricky. I hadn't really heard of that term before. And so I did enjoy digging a little deeper into it and reading about it. And it does look pretty amazing. Uh, did you check out the Halo Lens glasses that the article refers to? It's yeah. where you can... No, go you can ahead, see yeah. the holograms and 
yeah, you can see the holograms in front of you without impacting your vision. And it really did remind me of the Star Wars holograms where Yoda comes back and speaks to Luke and the message comes out of R2-D2. That's to me really what it looked like. And um, I ask, how can this be used in education? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where this goes and at what price point it will be available to the education market. But that was a great article uh, you chose and everyone listening should check it out. Yeah, I mean, augmented reality essentially is where you're mixing that. And a lot of times they call it augmented reality and you're putting something that's not real in a in an environment that is real. And I think in general with education, we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what that could mean. I mean, it's if you can put somebody in a place they normally couldn't be in to see or experience something, you know, as a history teacher, I think, what if we could actually put someone, you know, in high school, probably not younger than that, but put them in what a trench warfare scenario would look like where they could look around and see it and feel it and experience it in that way. That's pretty powerful stuff. And I think, you know, in terms of human rights and all those types of things, if we can actually get people to experience a world where they're not used to, especially in this country where we, you know, admittedly have it much better than many other parts in this world. I, I really think it could be good for perspective and certainly for education as well. Yeah, I think one of the examples in that Halo Lens, um, which was a Microsoft product, I think, um, gave was there was a hologram in front of a group of doctors. And so they were all in a circle, like looking at this hologram around what I assume was a patient and talking to each other. So you have the, yeah, the the virtual reality, but then you can actually see each other still. So yeah, I think a lot of possibilities um, with mixed reality, so. Cool stuff. All right, our next article is from Mac Rumors, where we learned that Apple announced an availability of fee waivers for its Apple Developer Program for educational institutions, nonprofits, and government entities. The waiver will give these qualifying organizations a free membership to the Apple Developer Program, which normally is 99 bucks per year. There are some restrictions that come with this waiver, including the inability to, to publish paid apps or apps in an app purchases, with the push for students to learn coding, this is a great way to get them to have hands-on app developing experience. With the Swift Playground app and now this, Apple is positioning itself to be a champion for students learning to code and also boost their own app market at the same time. What do you think, Ricky? Have you used this before? Well, you know, I've had some actual experience with the developer program, and most of it's been so that I could get access early on to some of the new iOS so I could check it out. But I've also always had this desire to do a little bit of a of a uh, app for iOS as well. So I have tinkered with that. And I will say this, I think, you know, when you talk about really getting people in a position, especially students in a position where they can get hands-on um, experience with something that actually can be put out to a device. I mean, I see like, you know, coding clubs that do this as a project and you might have somebody who's really good at coding, but they can work together to solve a problem and come up with this app that they can actually get on their devices and use. And that be such a sense of pride and interest and encouragements for students. I think I'm just happy to see Apple doing this because, you know, while $99 a year isn't a lot, if you're talking about a class of students or a school of students or a district or a club or all those types of things, that can add up really quickly. So I think it's pretty cool. And if I was doing a coding club anymore or anything like that in the K-12 school system, you can bet I would be applying for these waivers for sure. Yeah, it could be interesting what students would come up with. And I'm sure this will benefit Apple as well as, you know, if you get students involved in your 
Apple developer program kind of gets them interested in that and they could make some pretty cool apps down the road that could be profitable to Apple. Oh yeah, let's not get it twisted. I mean, all of these companies, Google, everyone else, this is not just, oh, for the kids. I mean, this is self-serving too. Like they want these people developing on their platforms because they make money that way too, for sure. All right, our next story, EdTech Magazine yeah. gives us three tips to boost mobile security, specifically for higher ed, as students are more regularly using their mobile devices to access university data, although I would contend K-12 is catching up with that as well. The first tip is to help give users data governance skills, and basically that just means helping them be aware that data security is a big deal and they shouldn't be accessing university let's even say banking or other secure data on public or other non-secure Wi-Fi. If you're in Starbucks, maybe don't go on your banking account or maybe don't be accessing sensitive materials. These are things that you know need to be kind of given to a lot of people, not just students. Secondly, they suggest keeping in mind that smartphones are personal devices and having them add security measures, um, the university may want a realistic option. They're not gonna wanna add those measures on their own devices a lot of times. So instead, let's educate them about risks and give them access to those tools if they want to use them and let them know what to use and why they should use it. And maybe that way they'll be more likely to use them. And lastly, employ a virtual desktop infrastructure if possible so data isn't stored on devices themselves. If you're not familiar with what that is, basically a virtual desktop just means I'm accessing through the internet another computer. I am able to tunnel into it, so to speak, use all of that stuff, but I am not actually accessing the physical data on my device. So if I have some things that are going on on my device, I'm not giving up security there. So a lot of universities do that. Ours does that as well. If we want to actually access some of the things from the university, we have to do that as well from our, from our, from our homes. So now all of these are good tips. And as we talked about numerous times, security is not something that's going to become less important moving forward, people. It will never be less important. It's only going to be more important as we continue to move on. So be ahead of the game. Pay attention to this stuff. Check out this article. Again, edtechweeklyshow.com. And uh, check it out and make sure you're prepared for this kind of stuff. Yeah, I thought that article was really an interesting perspective that I hadn't perhaps considered before. Really taking the perspective of securing the institution's data. We hear a lot about personal data being stolen and ways for each of us to protect against identity theft. But I don't hear too much about ways that the institutions are protecting their data and what they should be doing. So that was just a different perspective for me. Um, yeah, we should all be responsible when on public Wi-Fi. And I'm not sure anyone wants Big Brother from their university monitoring what they do on their personal phone. Uh, the tip on the virtual desktop interface is interesting, but I don't quite understand how that would make data safer. Um, but I guess more for me to learn about that. Yeah, essentially what it does is you're not actually putting the data on your actual machine. So in other words, if somebody would hack into my home computer, I'm not going to have that data stored there. So I'm actually going to my work desktop, which has better security. The way to get into a VPN is very difficult, secure measure. So I'm accessing and using it, but it's, it's actually like I'm controlling my computer that way. I'm not using my physical home computer. I'm actually using my mm -hmm. computer station. So I don't have the data on my computer. So if, if there's a vulnerability on my computer, they're not going to be able to get in it that way. It's just an extra layer of security, essentially. If that okay. makes sense. I don't know. If it does right. or doesn't, I don't know. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
let's move on to a really cool coding robot. So um, Bell Education Company, Bell Robot, has launched Maybot, an interactive robotics learning kit for children. The modular kit, which was successfully funded on Kickstarter in October of 2017, allows seemingly unlimited combinations of robot builds and is simple to use. Maybot claims to be a fun and interactive learning experience that builds problem-solving skills. A really cool feature is that it is compatible with Lego bricks, so kids can expand their robot with their own Legos, so it really makes customization and options limitless. So if you're into STEM, and who isn't these days, be sure to be watching for Maybot if you're attending CES this year, or just follow it on the internet. Yeah, I mean... I, first, I'll start with CES. I always want to go to CES. I love electronics. This is a huge reason why, um, because of the educational technology. But I'm a huge tech nerd too, obviously. So it, it's super exciting to me to hear these things. For me, I love the combination of Legos being involved because I have a four-year-old son, and I know you have children that probably either still or have been in that Lego area where it's a, such an awesome, fun experience for their creativity. And to me, adding that into this. It's just, it's just really cool, and I'm going to be following. I always follow CES, but I'm going to be following even more so so I can hear more about this Maybot thing because this is pretty cool. And I think if you, again, another article this week where if you're a coding club or if this is something, a STEM thing that you're trying to really do in your school, and I know a lot of schools are doing this, but if you're not paying attention to this, I think you're making a mistake. I think you need to be paying attention to May Maybot and see what's happening here because this could be really, really, really big, I think, and I'm excited about finding out more. Yeah, it looked like there's lots of possibilities there. So, yeah, another option for coding. Yeah, and give a shout out to at Career in STEM. Um, I'm sure she's going to be all over this. And uh, if you're on Twitter, follow at Career in STEM because these are all, all these things. Uh, again, it, anything to pique the interest of your students to open up a new world to them for them to be excited about and for them to explore. I, I, I'm just it makes me super happy and excited about. So I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about it. All right, Christy. Well, we've done it. We finished another show. Um, you know, there's people out there who didn't think we would do it, Christy, but we did it. Ooh. That's right. The naysayers, they don't belong here. We, we've done it. We're at 78 and we're going towards 100. And I'm, I'm really excited about that milestone as well. So I'm sure we'll have a bigger giveaway at that point in time. But in the meantime, if you want to be a part of the show, just like our co-host Christy, who's an awesome part of the show now, she emailed us at edtechweekly at gmail.com, and now she's here and playing a huge part in EdTech Weekly, and we couldn't be happier about that. Hit the subreddit at edtechweekly.reddit.com. Again, we put stories on there. I recently had somebody, another person comment, and we had a little interaction about one of the stories. I'm not on there all the time, but we definitely try to post those stories, and I love it that you guys are engaged. And definitely, if you have a story posted there too, follow Christy at Christy M. Warren on Twitter, me at four tech teachers, or again, email us at edtechweekly at gmail.com. Uh, share some sources, some stories, some technology. If you're following CES, give us a shout and we can talk about it next time on the show. And of course, edtechweeklyshow.com. Get the links to the stories that you've had this week. Christy, I'm putting some pressure on you. It's the new year. Do you have anything for the good people as we leave and we end episode 78? Keep working on those New Year's re resolutions. We're day five in. Don't give up yet. Maybe next week. Think about that. No? Yeah. No, we that can sounds do good. It. 
and and yes. se- send help to and Florida. And get a passion planner, like you said. Passion planner and send help. It's so cold here. Send us help. Seriously. No. We'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly. Weekly.